Eanes is proud to present the WHS Healthy Shop Speaker Series. This week, Becky Fliss from AustinLearningCenter.com shares the successful student, organized, accountable, and self-aware. Um, so, so the kind of an overview about what we're going to be talking about today is um, really just getting our students organized for the school year. And so um, I work with a lot of students um, and a huge part of what we see is the organizational piece sort of not being in place um, with students. And a lot of time is spent and sometimes wasted and, and time lost um, because students don't have that lay of the land um, with, their, with what they're trying to navigate in school. And so um, some of my research and then, and then much of my practice is, is all about helping students get there. Um, and so I have some really simple ways for just really good habits for things that you can do to help, stu to help the students um, navigate what I call the academic skills side um, of things. And so I always tell parents, you know, I could have a student with all of the academic talent and everything comes very easily. And if they don't have the, this, this piece of organization and study skills. Um, so in terms of if, if a student has all that academic talent but doesn't have the organizational piece, um, it's so difficult. But if we have a student that you know, struggles with the content but has all of the organizational piece together, um, they, can, they can really do so much about other things that, that sort of come back to this central problem. You know, it might be missing work or low test grades or these other things, but then we don't have our foundation there. So a um, huge part of what we're going to talk about today is just organizing. And so how many of these kiddos that are not super organized, how many of them are using some sort of planner? <laughs> and how about using it really religiously every day? <laughs> so the first thing that that we want to get in place is some sort of organization system. With with my students that are coming for coaching in this sort of area, I always like to start with a paper planner. And it's not something that they have to do forever because our, our students are so technology driven and they much prefer other things. And I have some other suggestions for things that can replace that paper planner. But the, the key is, is, is it's a tool, and it's how we use that tool. And so um, one thing I would say is so many students, in fact, I had a meeting with a student yesterday. We were talking about goals for the school year. And I said, tell me about how you're keeping track of all of your things. And he said, well, um, the St. Andrew student said, well, I look at Whipple Hill, and it shows me everything to do for tomorrow. If I need to know for tomorrow, and he kept talking about tomorrow. And I said, you use the word tomorrow like 12 times, except we need to think about what's happening next week. Friday and you know down the road so um, other students said well I can just write my homework on my hand I can think of all these ways that they can do something and so we we really try to change the mindset of the planner is really a tool it's a tool for planning out our our life and you know in essence and so it should have the big things on there the tests the quizzes the projects the papers um, it should have, a lot of our kids are so busy, they're in sports, they're in theater, they're in dance, they're in all these things. Um, all of those things should go on there. So I know if I have a major paper due on Monday and I'm going to be at a soccer tournament all weekend, I know that I'm looking ahead of that. So the planner should really be a tool for very big picture. It has to be something that is used 
every single day reliably. Um, otherwise, it's not really useful. So if I, as a parent, would want to say, okay, Ben, that's my little boy, he's only two and a half, but Ben, show me your planner. And um, if it's missing some, if it's missing one thing, if it's missing one major test, and I'm saying, okay, this is what we've got, Ben, like, here we go. Um, if it's missing one piece, it's not as reliable. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help him. Um, and so it has to be a habit. And I, and I um, think that that's a huge, like, the biggest message I can say about the organization is it's a habit. And so because we're at the start of the school year and because we're turning over to leave um, with organization, this is a great time to say, look, we're going to try this. We're going to do this for a week or two weeks, and then we're going to reassess. Every teenager can do something for two weeks, right? And then you can bargain with them, whatever it takes to let them to to to, to, have, to let them have the buy-in and try something for that two weeks. Um, but a lot of this doesn't come naturally to students. So I have a lot of, I mean, I was a middle school teacher and a high school teacher, and I have a lot of times where I look back and I think, oh, what did I do to those? You know, and it's like them walking out of the class and me screaming like, "Remember, test!" I mean, that's horrible, right? Well, I know because all these kids come in, they're I don't know that I had a test. And I'm, okay, yeah, we're teachers are so are so busy too, and so um, they have to really figure out the best way to learn their teachers. So, two things that are going to be so good for you guys, parents, at the start of the school year is get. Is everybody high school or the middle school? What your ages? High school? Okay, in middle school. Perfect. So each teacher at the first day of school probably ended up in the limits or something that says this is in my class. So part of being a student is figuring that out, figuring each teacher out. Okay, for math, my teacher is going to post stuff on Google Classroom and there's going to be a nice six weeks calendar that's going to be there. And for English, the teacher is going to put things on the board. You know, you have to help your students figure out how to figure how to figure out that roadmap for each class, and it's going to be different. This teacher requires a binder. This teacher requires a folder. So they really have to understand each course and what's expected, and then how to integrate that into their into their planner. Um, so habits of the planner: checking it every day. You're going to negotiate. You're going to do a week or two weeks. Check it every day. Accountability coach, if you're trying to start a new exercise program, it's really hard, right? But if someone's saying, "Hey, where are you? Um, <laughs> you need to be here for your 9:30 workout," it's the same thing. So, so sometimes you can do, you know, when you wake up from school, or first thing when you get home from school, or right after dinner. If you have habits, it's hard because it takes just as much work on your end. Somehow, sometimes to be that accountability coach and to get those habits in place. But the planner is something that should be checked every single day by somebody else, mom or dad, um, just until the habit gets in place. I've had parents tell me my child will never use a planner, and I said, "Oh yes, they will." You know, so we have to just make that a check, and then, and then, I, and then, what you're going to do when you're when you're looking at that planner is you're going to take it all in context with the syllabus of each class. Okay, now remember, math teacher is posting everything on. Google Classroom. So let's pull up Google Classroom and let's make sure that we put our our test dates into this planner. Um, but then they say, well, why do I have to do that? It's already here on Google Classroom. Because again, the planner is about a tool. It's about seeing everything together. And so not seeing it as a the night before thing, not seeing it as a this class, this class, this class thing, but seeing it as a all together. 
all my classes together, my whole week together, the whole month together, sort of using this as a tool. Um, and so after you do the, the lay of the land with all the syllabus, and you get the physical planner in place, and you're writing down all the things, your child is writing down all the things, at that point, after you've had a successful habit that's built, then because all of the students have iPads, right? Everybody has an iPad. Then at that point, or even, I would say even at the beginning, if you prefer to do it that way, then transition to something else. So if, so you can do on the iPad, you can just use the regular iPad calendar. You can do a Google calendar. It doesn't matter as long as they really own the system and can be accountable to it and that it's an everyday habit. Um, I also see so many students that are really anxious, but they're sort of stuck because they don't know like how to plan all of this out, but at the same time, they're carrying it all in their head and they're not acting on anything. And then that's really stressful. It's really stressful. And so in this, you know, with a system like this, it's like saying, okay, let's take that anxiety and let's take that stress out. Let's, let's just put it down. Put it down on paper. Put it down in our calendar. We see what we're accountable for. We see what we need to do. Our job as a student is really to have this roadmap. I mean, that's number one. Their number one job is to be a student, and they have, if they have no roadmap or no way to organize that job, that's really hard. And so that's the foundation for everything. And I would just expect that. I mean, I would be more upset um, as a parent or a tutor or a teacher if my student got a zero on their homework because everything was wrong than if they got a zero on their homework because they didn't know how to do it or didn't know where it was or didn't turn it in. Because the other part, like I said, we can work with that. We can, teachers, we can teach kids anything. We're really good. Um, and so, you know, and if we can teach them how to, to learn the math or learn the English or learn the history, we can teach them that. But these, these habits and these skills, they're hard. And they transfer at school, at home. Um, that's the hardest part. So I would really focus on that now. And I talk to students all the time about college and, and you know, sometimes in college you have two papers and that's your grade. And so I told my, this little student yesterday, I said, look, what if you're looking the night before and everything is about tomorrow and you're like, oh, I have my big midterm tomorrow. Like that's not going to work out. Um, and so he's all excited about going to college in a few years. So he's like, okay, okay, yeah, I, I understand. Um, but again, it's just those habits and just really, really enforcing them. And, and parents always tell me, like, it's never going to work. My student will never do this. But with technology and with some of the options that we have on the iPad and some of the new apps and the Google calendars, I think it can work. And I just would, or I know it can work, and I would just find that thing that does work. But again, it's using it as a tool. And it's an everyday thing. So that's, that's number one. Uh, number two is just the organization. And um, I, when I taught middle school, like every once in a while, we would go and check the students' lockers. And like I found out one year that one of my students like had a whole convenience store that he was running out of his locker, which was so entrepreneurial and wonderful. <laughs> but I was like, where are your books? <laughs> so it was really funny. And then I found like fruit that had been there for I don't know how many years in that locker, um, in another kid's locker. So 
Uh, he didn't need to eat it because he was buying all of his snacks at the convenience store. Um, so organization systems, again, should be really simple and, and also something that's checked. And so what I re recommend is you've already sort of found the lay of the land in every class. So you know what teachers require what thing. And you know that history teacher is always going to require that three-ring binder. You know, you'll figure that part out. But if they don't care or if it's just a suggestion, then, then I would say pick a simple, consistent system. And if, if, if all of the teachers suggest a certain thing, but one like requires it and is going to grade on that, then do that binder or whatever they say. And then for the rest of the classes, do it sort of in your way. And so my recommendation for that, especially for students that have a hard time um, just keeping it all together, is I have one folder for every class in a different color. And so, like green for biology, it's the color of life, and whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and I have one for in the backpack and one at home. So there's, let's say there's five classes, there's five, there's ten folders. And so in the backpack, you have a stack of folders this thick, that's it. Um, Carrying around five backpacks, and I know we don't have big heavy textbooks so much anymore with the iPads, but even all those binders. I, as a teacher, I used to give papers back and say, put it in your binder. It did not have hole punches. Like the, and the kids don't walk around with a three-hole puncher. And so I don't even know if I had one in my classroom, but I required a binder. And <laughs> so some things don't make sense that we do, as, that I did as teacher. Um, so I just say, look, this is so easy. When you get to class, when you get to biology class, there's two things on your desk. That green folder and your planner or your iPad if you're keeping your stuff on that. Simple, right? And so the paper, and then the class goes right in there. It just goes in there. It doesn't even have to make it into the pocket. If I open the biology green folder and I see all the biology papers there, I'm going to be happy tutor. And so... So that's what I'm looking for. And then once the student has a test in that class, take all the stuff from that unit and move it into the folder that you keep at home. So you have one green one in the backpack, one green one at home. The green one at home accumulates the stuff for the year. The green one at school is only the stuff they're doing in that current unit. Make sense? So much easier, right? Five little folders or eight if they have eight classes. Um, and they just carry that around and put the stuff inside. I also like to say... If we're going to get really advanced, the right side would be like notes, return papers, stuff like that. The left side would be homework that I need to turn in that day. This boggles my mind, and it probably does yours. How many of you have kiddos that do their homework? It's done. You know, you saw it. You did it with them, but somehow they didn't turn it in. Does that ever happen to any of you? It's like, this is insane, right? <laughs> you did this work and then somehow it's that missing connection and this is just it's an executive functioning skill it's like where's that paper how do I am I paying attention at the beginning of class when the when I'm be turning that in it's and again it can be fixed with habit and like I said they get cleaned out at the end of each unit so the the folder at home continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and if I see a loose paper in the pack I'm going to say hey where does go. And it should take two seconds to look at it and say, oh, it's biology. It goes in the green folder. Right side is like all the things. Like the right side would be like notes, uh, like notes, like graded work, 
handouts left side would be turn in. Like that's always, and it might be empty unless I have homework to turn in, then it's right there on the left side, I pull it out. Some people prefer a separate homework folder, so then you'd be introducing like another color folder where all of their homework goes for the that day. And so then they would have to have two folders out on their desk. They'd have to have their folder, their green one for biology, and then their turn-in home, turn-in folder. I just like to keep all the subjects together. But again, it, it, I, I do get input from students when I'm setting these things up. So we, it's a discussion. And it's a bit of a negotiation because most of the time, they don't want to do any of these things. All of these things, Becky, are a bad idea, they say, right? Like... I've got this under control. This is not a good idea. And so we bargain a little bit. It's like, okay, we're going to try this. How do you feel about this? Let's do this a week, two weeks. Come back. Talk to me about it. So they, I've had students, I, I really do not like those accordion, like, paper things. Like, that to me, oh, no. I'm really, I have attention issues personally. So I'm trying to make things really simple for me and my students that are like me. And so but I've had students that just love them. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's going to be your system. We're going to work with that material. And then we're going to check it that it's doing what we said it was going to do. So you can have some leeway with how you do it. The, the important part is just have a system, check the system, make sure that the system is is being used not for two weeks, but after that two-week period that it's like carried forward. Because again, it's habits. It's like running a a marathon. Um, so that's the second piece is kind of that organization system. So at this point, if you've done these things, like you are pretty golden because your your kid has everything written down that they should have or, or, or in an iPad or an app or on a calendar that they have in terms of homework, tests and quizzes, projects, and even extracurriculars. And then they have all the stuff that they need. So at that point, you really can, can really step in and be a great support and a great resource to them. So if it's, um, if it's something like at this point, I've got my roadmap and now I know I have a test, you know, next week in history, a lot of students, um, and this, again, it's a skill. It's a skill that they don't come programmed with. And so a lot of students don't know, like, how do I go about these things. Now that I've got the lay of the land and I've got this test, what do I do to study for this thing, right? So they, they don't, and so teachers, and, and we do this, we say, oh, well, they're in sixth grade now. They need to know, you know, how to stay organized and they need to know how to keep track of their assignments. Well, the truth is a lot of them don't. And I know this because I see them and I know that it is a mess when I see them and they have no idea. So we have to show them. We have to, we have to help keep them accountable. We really have to teach these skills. These are skills that are teachable skills just as learning how to solve a linear equation is a teachable skill. These are all skills that students need to teach. And we're asking them to sort of exist in this environment of school but they need to know the rules of how to play this game of school, and this is part of it. So um, tests are another part of that. The tests are something that we have created and as a way to assess and understand our learning of our students. Um, and so if I say there's a test on Thursday, they will get a review sheet, most likely. And Westlake is amazing. The teachers are amazing at giving really good review sheets and really helping students know um, what's going on. But this is where they now become accountable and say, okay, 
what do I do personally? So you ha- they have to know themselves. Like, how am I as a learner? And their teachers can really help them with this and they can come to you for help with this, but it might be, you know, I'm not doing great on history tests, and there's a lot of information. I have the review sheet. I'm doing the review sheet. I'm filling them all out, and I'm not doing so great. So there's a couple things about being accountable that I think are important. So number one is, again, knowing themselves as a learner, and so they might need to understand, you know, for me, it takes me a little bit longer to really wrap my head around this this vocabulary that's that's a little bit more, you know, the words are bigger and it's a little bit more obtuse, this vocabulary. So I'm going to do a Quizlet for the vocabulary and I'm going to do that two nights before the test, you know, before I get that review sheet. And three nights before the test, I may get a neighbor's notes and I may compare them to my notes and see kind of what I'm missing in my notes. So there are things that students can do to be accountable to their learning um, that they might not have the ideas to do. And so I think you as parents and then also the teachers are going to be the best resources for that. So I'd say, you know what, Ben, why don't we make, why don't you make actually an appointment with your history teacher? Email your teacher or go see your teacher after class and say, hey, my last test wasn't so great. I'd like to talk about what, how can I break this material down better for the next test. And then it goes in the planner. So, so little Ben, because he's going to be amazing, right, when he's a teenager. He's going to be a perfect teenager. And so he is going to uh, go see that teacher and make a plan. So test on Thursday, he's going to know Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday what he's going to do, and that's going to go in his planner. They let them know, and they don't believe me all the time, but the research shows that shorter segments of study over a longer course of time is more fruitful. So I'm like, look, I'm not asking you to study all night Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for this test on Thursday. I'm asking for 20 minutes on Monday where you're going to make a Quizlet and go through the Quizlet once. That's it, just 20 minutes. Then on Wednesday, you're going to go through that Quizlet again, and you're going to do this other piece. And then on Thursday, you're going to review your test review. So it's breaking down all of those things. And if you, parents um, intuitively have a lot of good ideas and sometimes don't trust yourselves, like parents will say, well, I'm not an educator. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, you are. Like, you definitely are. You're definitely an educator. And so your gut feeling on what would work best for your child probably is pretty spot on. And so... Um, you know, if you, because you know how they see and experience and explore the world and how they make sense of it. And so you probably have a pretty good idea of there's all this information. What are some things we could try? But again, you can run those by teachers, tutors, coaches, whoever it is to say what would be a good game plan for this material. Um, so, and that's going to be, that's a, a big self-advocacy thing and an accountability thing for them. So they... They're in this great school system, which you guys have probably very mindfully chose for them, and you want them to be in this great environment. And so by them being better advocates for themselves, they're going to get the most from these talented teachers and this rich curriculum that they're a part of. Um, If we have questions for the teacher or if we think we need to go see the teacher or anything like that, I want the student to do that. So they might not feel comfortable after class going and saying, hey, I need extra help or, you know, I have ADHD. Can I get that extra time on my test or whatever it is? So we have to find tools and avenues for them to um, have have that dialogue and conversation with their teacher. So, you know, instead of me 
as tutor or, or me asking mom as parent, say, hey, email this teacher. I would sit down with the student and say, hey, open up your email. I want you to write this email and I want you to explain like, hey, I don't love where I'm seated. Can I move to the front of the class? And because they'll tell me, oh, yeah, Becky, I'll ask. Like, sure, like, I can't, I can't, I'm too distracted in the back. I'll ask. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, then let's just ask right now. And so I'm kind of calling their bluff a little bit because <laughs> they were never going to ask to move to the front of the class. But, or, or they'll say, oh, yeah, I turned that in. My teacher just has not posted that yet. And I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, well, then let's ask. Let's go ahead and email right now. You know, like, hey, remember that paper I gave you yesterday? So then I get a lot more truthful answers, you know, because they're like, well, you know, maybe I didn't turn that one in. Okay, well then let's change the email. Let's let's say instead like we're not sure if we turn this in. Do you mind if I turn this in late for partial credit? Is that possible? Let's attach it to the email. Letting the students know this is their experience and their education, but scaffolding it in the right way. So so many times we 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 get on them and they're sort of in trouble for not having this whole organization piece. And that's what we get upset about. But really, we should be helping them get that piece, and we should be we should be sort of putting our thumb under the accountability and the honesty that comes after those things are in place and after we're giving the right support for them. So I don't want to get you know disappointed or angry at Ben for not turning in his work. I want to get disappointed in him for not. I want to get disappointed in my son for not <laughs> having his folders and not using his planner that we put in place because then this happened and then because now everybody's stressed and we're all stressed and he's stressed and our kids frankly are too stressed so we want to simplify things and give them tools and then hold them accountable to those tools um so that's really the message you know for today and then i have um some just some study tips as well um you know if there's but but one thing that we believe at austin learning center and and we really believe um, just from my practice and again from my research. One thing about study skills is that they really are learned best in context. So it's like I could stand here and explain to you, parents, this is how you're going to write a plate. You know, we're going to go all through all the things. I'm going to show you diagrams. And that's, it, that's what we do sometimes with study skills with students. Right? And so I get a lot of calls in the summer because parents love to use summer. It's a great time. They, they say, I want study skills. Let's fix what's going on here so we can start off next year and they'll know all these study skill things. And so I hate to turn parents away. Summer, you know, I'm like, yes, we want the students. We miss them in the summer. But um, we really feel like that's, that doesn't work. You know, like, quite honestly, we need to teach those study skills in context. So so if, if I'm trying to teach a student, a student how to study, like I was talking about with the history test, it's so much more fruitful to say, let's look at your history. Let's look at the volume of, of reading that you need to do. Like the AP history at West Lake is notorious. Like the kids, they all freak out for the first, what, like five weeks? They get it. Like they learn how to, how, to, how to survive in this collegiate level class. And so, but for those first several weeks, um, it's really about how do we manage this heavy load of reading, this dense sort of college level, um, rigorous text that we have now. How do we do? And, and those are rich discussions that have in the context of that course. So many students do not know how to study for math. I was, I'm a math and science teacher. And so, you know, they don't really know. Like, what does that look like? 
do you guys even know? Like, what does it look like to study for act, right? And so if you don't know, she's awake shaking. That's where we ask the teacher, you know, like, hey, how do we study for this test? Like, I have no idea how to study for that. And there are really good things that we should be doing for studying for math. So, um, like, for example, in pre-calculus, we really need to study the unit circle and have that memorized. And then when we take our test, we need to have that written on the piece of paper so that, especially for visual people or anyone with working memory or anxiety issues, they need to see it and then be able to use it so that they're not holding all this space. So there's all these things, right? And, and I can't teach you that unless you're in pre-cal you understand what I'm talking about with the unit circle, right? Like, it doesn't, it's not making any sense. And so, again, um, these study skills are taught best in context, so we have to lean on the teachers and lean on, lean on your own instincts to sort of help your, your child figure out how to approach those courses. Um, because contrary to kind of the common sense. Like, I would think, okay, I'm going to tell these kids, like, this is how you take notes. And go forth in all your classes and take beautiful notes. And you would think that, that sort of generalized skills are then best applied to the specific. So I can teach something general. They'll go into all their little specific classes and do it really beautifully. And the research is really contrary to that. It's If I teach something in context, it is best transferred to new context. So if I have taught this student really how to tackle this intense AP world history class. And they've learned all these skills and they've learned ways to outline notes and take notes and highlight notes and, and highlight text and annotate text and um, make timelines for themselves and do all these things. When they get into a college sociology class, they will carry those skills on better because they've really done it in a more meaningful way. They've ridden the bike, right? And they've gotten that feeling for what that feels like. And now they get on to a, just a little bit of a different bike, but they're still on the bike, so they can, they can do it. Um, and so, again, like everything study skills-wise should be really deeply embedded in the context. We can't separate what is being learned from how it is being learned. And so that is, that's a key. And again, they don't know, they don't know these things. Like learning how to solve an equation is just, just as important as learning how to study for a test over solving an equation. It's all part of their academic learning. And so I think it's a big part that we miss. And I think our teachers do a great job of trying to fill those gaps in, but it's, they just, some, some, some kids just need more of it. And just like, you know, some kids will come in, they'll have their planner filled out beautifully and it's color code and highlighted, that's like not gonna be every kid. <laughs> and if it's not your kid, don't worry, because they will get there. It is a teachable, learnable skill like anything else. So being organized, accountable, and self-aware. Um, so many times, um, just along these lines, we, students, students kind of go to school to take assessments, and then they keep going to take more assessments. And so um, if they take a math test or a chemistry test or whatever it may be, um, and the test isn't where they want it to be. I don't think every student has to make a 97, but if it's wherever they feel like they don't, you know, like wherever they feel like they want to be and it's falling short, it's really important to be reflective over what happened. Um, that's how we get things corrected and right. So if parents will call me and say, Becky, we've been intruding, um, we're still not seeing these test grades come up, we're feeling more confident with the material, we're understanding it better, but these test grades are still low. My first, I, I'm gonna like put my scientist hat on, and I'm gonna wanna be really diagnostic about what's happening. 
Um, we really have to get in there and, and figure that out. And so that's also another great place for your child to email the teacher and say, hey, can I come in and see you for 30 minutes after school tomorrow? I'd like to really dive in and take a look at my test. A lot of the tests can be returned, like they can't go home at, at Westlake, um, and that's okay. Some, some a few a few teachers will let you if you act nicely, but for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, they, they want to keep them in the classroom. That's okay. You can go in and you can see the test after school. Your, your child can go in and sit down with the teacher. Um, as as a math teacher, I can in my sleep look at a student's test and say, oh, this is what they missed here. This is what they missed here. A, a student will probably not be able to look at the test and say, this is the missing link. This is something that me, as a, as a teacher, and, and seeing all these kids over all these years make all these mistakes, I have this insight. And so that's really important for them to tap into. And their teachers can do that. Their teachers can look at their test and they can know, oh, this whole test, I see seven mistakes and they're all because of this. Um, so it could be something like that. And you really need the, to have the expertise of the teacher to figure that piece out. And then sometimes the, the student will say, you know what, I memorized the wrong equation, or I didn't memorize this equation right, or I needed to spend more time practicing these problems to get them. I knew them, but I was, or I was making careless errors. So they can really dive into why they were missing things, and that's how they're going to correct future tests. And there's so much learning that comes from being diagnostic about the assessments that we've taken. It is a golden nugget right there, that graded text. And so we, when we move on and never look at it, we're missing a huge opportunity. But, you know, kids are so busy. They're on to the next thing, the next time. No, they're, they're moving on. Um, but I think that's a really important thing. And that also helps them to be accountable for their learning. You know, it's all about accountability. I tell this story every time, um, and I don't know why I do, but it doesn't make me look good. Um, I promise I'm really good. But um, it was when I first opened Austin Learning Center a long time ago, and I was just a young kid, and I opened this tutoring center. And I had this parent call me, and she said to me, Becky, I'm calling because Samir told me that the tutor taught him something wrong and that's why he missed it on his test. And if you can imagine, I'm like a brand new business owner, I'm, I'm panicking, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and it was an economics test. There's, there's, there's graphs that shift either skewed to the right or skewed to the left. And so the tutor, um, so I, I said, well, let me find out, Rosie, I'll call you back. You know, I just, okay, I'll call you right back, I'll investigate. So the tutor um, actually still had her notes from that session, and she was sitting across from the student, so upside down. So like her skewing to the right was his skewing to the left, and she drew it wrong. So I called her back, and I thought, oh, she's going to be so mad at me. And I called her back, and I said, I am so sorry. This is what happened. I want to let you know that we are here to, of course, give your children correct information. And she said, oh, no, I am not mad at you. She wanted to verify that he was not blaming someone else for mistakes. And she goes, she goes I will still tell him he can have resources, but it is ultimately his responsibility. This is his education and learning. And I was like, <gasps> I mean, I was waiting for, like, the worst thing to happen, and I was like, well, I don't know if I totally agree with you. Like, I think we should take some of that accountability for that and some responsibility for that bad information, but it was just really cool to talk, and I've talked to so many parents over the years, and I've learned so many things about how to be a parent from you guys. You guys do so many things beautifully and so right, and that's one of the things. I thought, you know what? 
she, she, she really taught me something about how this is their education. They are the ones responsible. It's nobody else's to blame. You've got to learn how to work within the system. Granted, I still think tutors should give students the right information. That is not a good thing. But, you know, she was just wanting to make sure he was honest. And he was the most honest kid. I would have had no reason to ever question his, his honesty at all. And teachers, we can spot honesty, like, from a mile away. Like, we know, like, if a kid's kind of trying to pull the wool over eyes. But, um, but it was really interesting. It was an interesting conversation, but it was more from a philosophy on education. Like, this is his learning. He is in, it is, he is in control. Um, there is no one to blame. And so there's going to be different teachers in their lives. There's going to be different courses in their lives. And so they have to figure out how to navigate all of that, you know, and so, and to take ownership. And it was a really beautiful thing. Um, I always tell everybody that kid is now a doctor. I mean, he's amazing and probably super accountable to everything in his life, but she was a super cool parent. And I learned, I've just learned a lot from from all of that. So having them be accountable and, and knowing that things are not any, everyone else's fault is huge um, because we kind of live in a time where it's easy to, to you know, go the other way. And, and so um, so that's, that's everything. So checking the planner daily um, or whatever system you use. What I'm looking for when I'm saying check it daily is I want to make sure that for every single class that the student wrote down and, and, and recorded what needs to be recorded. So the homework for that night, announcements about tests, announcements about quizzes. And I want to see that it's filled out for every class. Sometimes I'll look at one and I'll see, oh, there's nothing written for English. Then I want to see none. You know, I want to see that N-O-N-E written there because I want to see that we thought about it and that we thought, oh, our English teacher actually told us there is nothing today. Um, so, so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see that it is filled out to completeness. And so as a parent, um, you have the, the ability to go into your child's Google Classroom with them and kind of verify that everything is written down. But some teachers don't... Um, some teachers don't post or post at different timelines, and I always hear the kids say, oh, well, this teacher didn't post, or this, this is not right, this has changed, whatever, this is again, let's be accountable. So then, we, then I say, okay, let's find someone in your class, like, so that if you don't know, if you have questions, like you have that one person in your class that we can call or text real fast and say, hey, what was for tomorrow? And so right there on the spot, you can check the Google Classroom, you can text that buddy in the class, and you can just make sure that everything is in there. Um, and I think it also depends what system you set up from the begin from the beginning. When we do a paper planner, I have everything in there. So homework assignments, tests, quizzes, everything. The student that I met with yesterday, um, again, he's at St. Andrews, so they use a little bit of a different system. He and I negotiated every day the homework is listed on there for the next day. So I'm like, okay. I'm going to bargain with you. You don't have to write that in, but you have to look at it every day. And then the big things, the test announcements, all of that needs to be in a Google calendar. So we kind of did a different system for him. Um, so it's whatever your expectation is and how your system is going to work. That's what you want to check. If you have a really disorganized child and they're not knowing even what homework is due or their zeros on homework, I would say every single thing is in there. Some parents and and... Um, especially more at the middle school level, like like counselors will get will have teachers like sign off on the agenda to make sure everything is in there. I don't really think that's necessary because you can check that at you can check that at home too. Um, and so, but it's just that every every single thing is written down and accounted for. 
So if you, as dad, can say, okay, what's happening in school? You can open it up. It's all there. You should be able to see everything. So a, lot of, a lot of kiddos, especially boys, and congratulations that your kiddos organize. That's great. Um, they, they, they feel a little, they, and, they, and, it, ha, and it, gets, it gets more so as they get older. It's almost like a little bit of resentment for being in my business. Like, why are you in my business? Like, let me do this on my own. Um, and so I think a good answer to that question is, is that for them to know that there's like an end in sight to it, like I'm going to be really in your business for a week and then I'm going to let you try it on your own for a week and then at the end of that week we'll, we'll reassess. Or you can do things like get a tutor, get a neighbor kid that comes that's maybe a little bit older and comes and checks, you know, so that you're not the one in the business because that's not a fun place to be always <laughs> as mom and dad. Um, and so, but yeah, that's a lot of fun. And so I think the answer to that is it, it's always going to feel intrusive, especially for a student that feels like they should already have that down pat. Um, but if you can make it a negotiation in sort of a shorter period of time where you are going to acknowledge, yeah, just we're going to be honest, I am going to be all up in your business with this planner for the next week or two weeks. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hopefully a short-term thing. I don't think I answered your question, but yeah, but it's a, it's a thing, and and I think it and it it's it's it becomes, um, I think it becomes a self esteem thing too, where you know I think kids that feel like they need all of that, it's it, it makes them feel like inadequate for you know I don't need my you know my mom is always on me or my dad's always on me like I or I need all this extra help, and so it can become a self esteem thing. Um, as well. And so we just want to be careful of those things, like, and, and come at it from a really empowering standpoint than like a, a hovering standpoint. Um, and it's just a mindset change, but it, it could feel a little yucky until, until you get those habits in place. So, you know, I, again, I, I always bargain with the we're going to try, we're going to try it my way and then we'll try it your way is, is, is one, um, where, the paper planner, I let them know why. Like, why are we doing it this way? When I'm working with students, I, um, I always invite them to, to question me. Even when I was a teacher, I'd say, if you want to question why I'm giving you this homework assignment, go ahead. I've thought out why I'm giving you these problems. And I have thought out why we're going to do this planner this way. So I invite those, I invite that conversation, right? And so, Oh, so you're going to have a tough time, right? Yeah, and, and you know what? If he's a debate student and you get in this, and if, 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 if there is a really good, well-thought-out argument for why another system would work better, I would go with that. I would let him do that if, if, if he really feels that strongly about a different system. But I would not negotiate on the way in which the tool is used, which it needs to be an everyday, it needs to be a habit, it needs to show big picture, as well as what's happening tomorrow. So I'd say if you can, and I'd say these are well-researched things that make a student successful. So if you can come up with a system other than what I'm proposing that check, and then let's be accountable, and we'll still check that one. So I'd say, I'd, say, I'd say negotiate and be willing to compromise on that. Um, it doesn't have to be a paper planner. If you've got an eight student that doesn't want a paper planner, <laughs> um, some of my students are a little more malleable. They're like, okay, I'll 
try it for a week. They have nothing. They have no opinions about it. They just know they don't want to do it. And so then it's usually like the negotiation of let's try it for a couple weeks. But if you have another system that's really favored, go for that system. That's fine. Um, every student is so different. And I'm a big fan of like negotiating with them and figuring out what's going to work because ultimately their buy-in of all of this is key. My hope, I'm hoping and praying that in those two weeks when they're doing this planner that they see the value in it and that it sticks because if they don't buy in, like I'm just giving, I'm just buying myself two weeks to get their buy-in and then hopefully it has worked. And, and some kids have dysgraphia. And so, like, I had a parent in here say, well, my, yes, my, my child doesn't want to write all this stuff. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, let's do something else. If they can copy and paste, like, from their teacher's Google Classroom into a Google Calendar, that's better. You know, so I think the non-negotiables in that debate are the purpose of the, the purpose of the, of the system. The tools that we use to meet that purpose, I, I'm... I'm really open to. I'm just old school and old. So I like a paper plan that I can highlight, cross off, check, um, all of that stuff. So, but kids are different, you know, they're different. These are really great questions. Mm -hmm. I do. Yes. <laughs> so you will get to see that online. <laughs> yes. And it's really simple. Again, like with all of this stuff, I'm trying to keep it simple. With some kids, I'll go and I'll say, let's highlight tests in yellow and major things in yellow. But I'm just wanting them to write in it every day for every subject. Like simple, simple, simple. Habits, you know, I, I always tell them the metaphor like it's like, a, it's like a playbook. If it's missing a page, like the whole thing isn't, you don't know what's going to, you know, you don't, you're, you're missing out on everything. So it's really about the habit. And along that note, just kind of, kind of going back to your comment, like the kids don't want to feel like everyone's up in their business. I would say not all the kids are using planners. The vast majority are not, do not have them out on their desk. And so another thing is like your, your, your kiddos are new to this school system. They're new to the school. They're going to have a lot of social things to navigate coming into a new school. Like the last thing you probably want to do is like be the, the dorky kid, like the only one in class with the planner. So like you made, yeah. Okay. So if they've had them and if they're comfortable with it, but like if, if sometimes I hear that, I'm, I'll hear like, well, Becky, like nobody else has a planner and I don't want to be the one like with this planner. And so if that's the case, again, like if it, there, there's a good argument against it and we have another solution and they all have an iPad, okay, do that. So I never want to also make a student feel really uncomfortable. I know it's not going to make them feel uncomfortable to have a folder. <laughs> I'm like, you need a folder. But like if I get that argument about feeling uncomfortable or weird, and those are honest, like we have really honest conversations and I can tell like this is a sincere thing, this isn't just a, I don't want to do it thing, then we'll adjust as well. Okay, is everybody ready to go have some fun conversations with your teens? <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in the archive video recording of this session and any corresponding handouts or resources, please visit the WHS Healthy Shaps website at healthyshaps.weebly.com.